Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Good morning and Happy New Year. I see that this is the crowd who went to bed early last night, possibly. Maybe we stayed up and watched the Ohio State game. I won't preach about that. Don't worry. Friends, I love that every year on the beginning of the new calendar year, the church gives us this solemnity of Mary, the mother of God. It's as if at the beginning of every year, the church says, go back to mom. Start the year with mom. And I know for some of us, that's, that's tough, right? Because maybe for some of us, this is the first new year. This was the first Christmas. Maybe you didn't have your mom. Or maybe things with mom right now aren't too good, or maybe, I don't know, maybe this is whatever it might be. We all come into this day with different postures in our hearts regarding all of that. But the reality is that the church beckons us, Holy Mother Church beckons us to be with our mom, right? That's who she is. That's who Our Lady is. She is our mom who has loved us perfectly from the start. From the very first moment of our existence, she has been with us, and she has loved us perfectly. So like, no matter what the next year holds, we'll be okay because we have her, right? That's how this works. I was thinking how the, uh, you know, throughout church history, we've had several Marian apparitions. Our Lady of Fatima, think of um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, think of Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Knock, all these different Marian apparitions. But the first one, you might not know this, maybe you do, was Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. Right when Mary appeared to Juan Diego. And unlike, you know, previous or subsequent Marian apparitions, like those in the 19th, 20th century, Mary comes, she's got this intense message, you know, this prophecy about, you know, coming world wars and great suffering and communism spreading across the world. And she's got this message of we need to pray and repent and pray the rosary. This is intense Mary who shows up in the 19th, 20th century. But the very first Marian apparition, Guadalupe, She's not talking about any of those sorts of things. She's just saying to Juan Diego, basically, I paraphrase, hey, I'm your mom, and I'm here, and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I love that that's the first Marian apparition, the first Marian apparition. She's just telling us, you are right here in the folding of my arms, the crossing of my arms. Everything's going to be fine. That's our mom. That's our mom. So as we begin this new year, I want to spend a little time here this morning reflecting on Mary, the mother of God, on this solemnity. You know, it's been said that it's been said that Our Lady, Mary, is the crusher of all heresies. The fact that we have Mary, it crushes and defeats all heresies, right? Because if she is the mother of God, then that defeats Arianism, for example, that said that Jesus wasn't really God. Or the Docetist heresy that said that Jesus only appeared to be human. It defeats the Monophysite heresy that said that Jesus didn't have two natures. He just had a human, uh, he just had a divine nature. Or it defeats the Nestorian heresy that said that there was a distinction between Jesus, the human, and Christ, the God. Right? All of these different heresies, they all get destroyed by this claim that Mary's the mother of God, right? The list goes on and on. That Her title as Mother of God, it's not just one title among many, it's arguably the most important because it defends the complete dogma of the incarnation. The incarnation, right, that God 
God in totality became flesh, that God was born of this woman. God had and has a mom. He was born of this woman. You know, Venerable Fulton Sheen, soon to be, please God, beatified, blessed Fulton Sheen, he once said that Mary was God's dream for the world. That after the first paradise was lost, God dreamt up a new paradise, as he said, a flesh-girt paradise, an immaculate soil who had a name and a face, Mary. Like she was, as he said, the world's first love, that God was and is in love with humanity. It was in Mary that God fell in love with humanity. She was his dream for the world. As we hear in Scripture, St. Paul reiterates that in the fullness of time, when the propitious moment had arrived, heaven approaches earth like a bridegroom. In that scene of the Annunciation, God's angel kneels before this bride-to-be, and he asks from her an open space. That's what he asked for, the vacancy, an open space, a yes, a fiat. Why? So that God could unite himself, he could wed himself to humanity in her All of humanity, your humanity, my humanity, was wedded to God in her. She was earth, and the treasure was looking for a field to be buried in. The pearl of great price was looking for an oyster to grow in, if you will. Like in her person, in Mary herself, she summed up all of humanity All of Israel, all of Israel's story, vacillating Israel, comes to its climax in this daughter of Israel, this daughter of Zion. She is the archetype of the new humanity. And what God asked in the Annunciation, he asked if the two, if God and humanity, if God and man might become one flesh in the wedding chamber of her immaculate womb. He's asking her, will you become the new Eden? Will you become the new ark? Will you become the new tabernacle? Will you become the new temple? The dwelling place of God on earth, right? In her, in Mary, what we see, the embodiment, if you will, the quintessential bride that's described by the prophets of the Old Testament. She's adorned and bedecked with jewels. She's holy. She's immaculate. She's without blemish. She represents the whole human race. Can you tell I really love this woman? (laughs) She gave her yes to God's marriage proposal in such totality that she conceived eternal life in her womb. In Mary, what we glimpse is the ecstasy to which we are all called in the eternal wedding of the Lamb, right? Every single Mass is a prefigurement and a foreshadowing and a glimmer of participation in the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's what heaven is. Heaven's not the big room where God happens to be where you happen to be if you make it there. Heaven is union with the Trinity. It's being taken up into the dance of the Trinity. It's taken up into union with God. That's why the book of Revelation is describing heaven as this wedding feast. What we see in Mary is the consummation of that, that in her, God and man are united. Christ dwelling in her, a union with Christ by the power of the Spirit. In her, in Mary, we see the city of God, 
Right? Remember John says, Behold, I see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride prepared to meet her husband. Mary is the new Jerusalem, the city of God, where there is no temple because the entire city is the temple. The entire place is the place where God dwells. Mary is the new temple, the new city of God, the holy of holies. She is the Lord's dwelling place. She is the land that is espoused by God that we hear in the prophet Isaiah. No longer shall your land be called desolate, but you shall be called espoused and my delight. Remember, that was the reading we heard Christmas Eve, if you were here at the four o'clock mass. No longer shall you be called desolate, but your land shall be called espoused. She's the holy land. where God plants the eternal seed of divine life. She is the chalice. She's the mystical rose. She's the garden enclosed. She's the new Eden out of which comes the new Adam. And in her yes that she gives to Gabriel and the yes that she gives to God, she gives God everything that he lacks. What could God possibly lack? Matter. <laughs> Matter. See, God wanted to take on our matter, our flesh, our human nature, our body, our soul, our heart, our mind, our will, and therefore, he needed a mater, a mother. Because he wanted our matter, he came in search of a mater, a mother. Mary is the mother of God, the holy theotokos, as the Eastern Rite Church says, the God-bearer. Because God wanted to be given to men as a man, because he wanted to affect our salvation, not by this divine decree, you know, this royal pronouncement from the throne, at a distance, aloof. No, he wanted to affect our salvation by an embrace, and because of that, he needed a body. He needed somebody to offer her body so totally to give God a body. That's what Mary gave God. He was in himself, in his divine nature. He was invulnerable. And he asked her for a body that could be wounded. That's what vulnerable means. Vulnus, wound in the Latin. He asked for a body that could be wounded. He was joy itself. He asked for tears. He was God. She, he asked her to make him man. He asked for hands and feet that could be nailed. He asked for flesh that could be scourged. He asked for blood that could be shed. He asked for a heart that could be broken. So God asks this question to Mary. He asks, then he waits like a bridegroom on one knee. God waited for her fiat to receive from her humanity. He didn't take it. He didn't take it. Like the bridegroom in the Song of Songs, he comes and he knocks and he waits. He didn't take it from her. He waited, right? The author of every good and perfect gift waited like a beggar before her, yes, to receive from her. And she says yes. And heaven kisses earth in the womb of the virgin. And that moment commences the passion of Christ. We often think of Jesus' passion beginning 
Maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating blood. No, it started in that moment. The moment of the Annunciation. Because Christ began to put himself into the hands of men. He became vulnerable. He was being given away. And as Mary, as she gave milk to our bread, as St. Augustine said, she taught him, she taught him through the gift of her own body as a mom, she taught him how to say, this is my body given for you. Before those words were ever Jesus's, before those words were ever Jesus's at the Last Supper, those words were Mary's. Those words were the words of every mom. This is my body given for you. This is my body given for you. St. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he describes the love of Christ and the church through the lens of spousal love. It's the great mystery, he says. That great mystery begins, though, it begins in Mary's womb. It begins with her motherhood. Like the spousal love of Christ for the church, it's nursed by her at her breast. It's brought to, yes, it's brought to a climax on the cross where Jesus in his humanity, in his full manhood, is giving himself away to the bride, pouring everything out on the cross. He lays his life down in the flesh where he says, this is my body given for you. This is my body given for you. Those words again, were Mary's words that she pressed into his heart. And friends, notice that all that Mary had, all that Mary had to offer in this whole story was the vacancy of her heart, the vacancy of her womb. All she had was an empty space. All that she could offer is a yes, unlatching the door. That's all that she could offer God. I will open the door to let you in. And that is why she's the archetype of humanity. That's why the mother of God, that's why she, we are meant to look at her as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Because what she is, we are called to be. She is not the aberration of our race. We don't look at her and think, you are an odd outlier. We are the outlier. We, she is what we are meant to be. And we become gradually and progressively by cooperating with grace. And it begins in this Mass. It begins with this Eucharist. May we receive him with all the reverence, with all the piety, with all the awe and wonder that Mary did at the Annunciation. And with our amen, may it be, be it done unto me according to thy word. Amen.